Welcome to Unbooking the Tank, Atari, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the in-ring career of Tank Abbott. This week sees Tank Abbott's match against the Barbarian. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime there, Doug Dillinger. I'll let you come out here and take a shot on me. Wait till he finds out what's behind door number one. Something down the road at the Silverdome in Six playing to an empty house. Because the real deal is here. Oh, here he comes. Get that fat duck ass out here. I'll tell you something, Mike. He's not done yet. This man, Tank Abbott, is making a name for himself. So how are you this week, Dan? I'm good, mate. I had a, had a nice bit of uh, dipshittery uh, on my part as we were setting up to record this. Uh, managed to lose my TV remote, forget where I put my headset, um, and realised that I've almost run out of beer. So that was uh, that was a nice start to, to proceedings. How are you? That's not good. I've got a, a bit of a tower in front of me of the empty cans from the recording of UTT that we've just done, which seems to be leaning a little bit, the leaning can of leaning tower of cans. So not quite as uh, much of a uh, tourist attraction as the leaning tower of peas, but I think we'll get it there. You know, just, the, leaning just tower, need... the leaning tower of beer. <laughs> yeah, just need to get a, a UNESCO World Heritage Site certification, <laughs> and we'll be fine. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure between us we could. We could make one that's at least 100 feet tall, give us about, give us a week or two. Yeah, be right. Make a good fist of it, yeah. Yeah, don't apply for planning. No, never. <laughs> so you're drinking, Dan? Yes, I am, yeah. I'm on my last, my last sweet temptation. Uh, managed to find one uh, in the in the bowels of the uh, uh, of the Griffin, so I'm on that again. It's an old favourite, as we, uh, as anybody who's listened to UTT will know. Uh, Vocation and Brew York collaboration, chocolate caramel stout, 6.6%. One of my absolute favourites. And then I've had to resort to, well, when times are hard, you resort to Le Piss Ridicule. So I've got two half-pint bottles of Stella Artois. Wow, a bit of the old steely tartar, I say. Um, yeah, but to be fair, my granddad gave me it, and I can't yeah. really complain at free beer. Fair enough. I've got a inbound from Gypsy Hill, which describes itself as a cold IPA. Well, I know it's cold. It's been in the fridge. Um, apparently, this is an exclusive BFR Beer 52 that Gypsy Hill have um, brewed. Although, a little bit of controversy because Untapped claim this is an IPL, which is an Indian oh, right. Pale Lager rather than Indian Pale Ale. I have heard of IPLs before, um, as it is Indian Pale Lagers, although to me it means Indian Premier League for the cricket. Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> was, uh, actually, I was watching uh, Top Gear the other day and they had to like have teenagers drive the cars in one of the challenges, and oh. the lad that was Freddie Flintoff said he was really into cricket, and <laughs> um, he, he was saying, um, you know, what team did you support? And he, he said this Indian um, Premier League team, and Freddie Flintoff said I played for them. He's like, what really? Oh, uh, for and, and, and he was asking about the Ashes, and he'd never heard of it. And he's like, how young are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the kids today. I need to watch that documentary on Sky, actually, the uh, the man who bought cricket, because I don't know if you remember, I don't know why we're getting into cricket talk now when we're here to talk about Tank Abbott, but I don't know if you remember the guy that originally set up the IPL turned out to be some sort of massive fraudster. Well, wasn't there something similar? with there was, there was like a Caribbean version, wasn't there? And I'm sure there was a guy behind that that was uh, pretty dodgy. I don't know if I'm messing, mixing up stories or... 
to be fair, I could be mixing up stories. Uh, tune in next week on the IPL podcast to figure out which one of us is fucking up. Um, <laughs> well, as soon as we've run out of this Gypsy Hill, then we'll be uh, out of cricket. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, we're, we're here to talk wrestling. <laughs> I was going to say, we should, we should record these when a test match on, you know, and uh, have breaking news as a wicket in the cricket. <laughs> I can't tell you how I, how much I'd be up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I will sit there and watch Test cricket. I love it. Yeah, no, it's uh, a, a decent cricket match is good. Uh, <laughs> emphasis, on, uh, emphasis on decent. So the match that we're covering today is a street fight rules match between the Barbarian and Tank Abbott. It's from the 7th of February 2000 Nitro. And on this episode, there were few other things going down. Norman Smiley faced Evan Courageous. Yes, uh, I think this was all part of Norman Smiley making his way through uh, through the members of three count, wasn't it? Because I'm sure we've seen him before uh, wrestle one of the three count guys and claim that he's one of the roughest, toughest competitors in WCW. I think that was on a thunder. Yeah, well, he'd attacked three count before, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, but he was facing the Kiss Demon on the episode of Thunder directly before this. So uh, maybe his focus is a little bit... Uh, Skewed, or maybe three counts don't work, uh, funders. Three count don't work Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, it's the same reason that uh, JBL was champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three count don't want to work Tuesdays. Exactly. There's uh, there's Jay Biggs as well leading the police on some sort of search. Uh, can you tell I'm just going by the thumbnails? Uh, well, Jay Biggs was Clarence Mason, wasn't he? And then he came back he with uh, Champagne Chris Canyon. As his legal counsel, yeah. So um, yeah, it's you know you're always going to get decent performance from him. Um, he was one of our very early favourites in the first season of UTT. Yeah. Um, so, but I've, I've never really seen much of him. I don't think in uh, in WCW. No. We have a we have a ten minute Scott Steiner promo, which could only be enthralling. Words for Ric Flair. Oh, do you think this, though, I guess this could be potentially the one where uh, Rick Steiner puts in the false teeth to do the impression of Ric Flair? We covered that on UTT already. I'm sure we did where Scott had the false teeth and he was pulling the faces. Yeah, but we're going back through a different timeline with these. Um, We're going back over what we've done already, aren't we? Because we did the um, February the 14th episode with Sarah. All right. So it could be the same sort of timeline. Sorry, yeah, it'll be around the same time, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I got completely the wrong end of the stick there. <laughs> we got David Flair preparing for an I Quit match. I'm morbidly curious. We got Booker, Sans T, versus The Wall. It's just not right, is it, seeing it just Booker? No, it's not. Oh, we've got Jeff Jarrett making matches, that's not good. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'd like that. You're not, the, uh, you're not the world's biggest Jeff Jarrett fan, are you? I'm not. I'm not a Jeff Jarrett fan. <laughs> We're continuing this storyline from uh, the last funder, where Arn Anderson's checking in on Terry Funk to see where his loyalties lie in the uh, Terry Funk Ric Flair rivalry. Mm, and even the uh, even the thumbnail looks intense. Mm-hmm. But even the other, it's uh, Terry Terry Funk's bandana is about as useless as Hulk Hogan's at that point to hide, trying to hide his hairline. Well. I suppose it depends where it goes on uh, on order, whether this will be to come out or already come out. But uh, I've already made notes for our um, first episode of ECW Hardcore TV with uh, Terry Funk on commentary. All right. So, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's something that happened. <laughs> 
Lane and Idol are um, looking to challenge the Mamelukes. The absolute peak of any tag team division. Mm-hmm. The Kid Cam finds Tori getting ready. The Kid Cam's a pervert. Well, it's normally Billy Kidman. I mean, there was a point when they lost the Kid Cam, but that's um, a couple of months. I think it's April when they lose the Kid Cam. So, tricking the, uh, the Kid Cam's any relation to Vanguard One? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they're. Uh, there's some kind of relationship there. <laughs> Don't know why I just decided that. It's literally the only other camera I could think oh, of yeah, in wrestling. All, yeah, all, all sentient cameras in wrestling are related. They all share the same software. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Medusa confronts Oklahoma. Bet that was piss awful. Well, probably not as bad as the next segment because Terry, Terry Taylor's involved, so fuck Terry Taylor. Indeed, fuck Terry Taylor. And then we get David Flair versus Terry Funk. That, oh, God, is that the I Quit match? It must be. Yeah, yeah it is. And uh, Arn Anderson addressing Ric Flair. Yeah, that's still going on. Then we've got oh, Disco Inferno, get fucked, uh, versus Stevie Ray. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Disco Inferno get the piss beaten out of him. I don't mind Disco Inferno. I think he's a decent heel. I think the fact that you want to see him get, get the piss beat out of him is uh, kind of proving he's doing his job. But it's, it, it, but it's with the hope that he never comes back. Yeah. Yeah, I have that feeling with some wrestlers. I was watching the uh, Britt Baker Riho match today. And <laughs> I was hoping that Riho would never come back. <laughs> oh, don't go down that road. Kenny Omega will tweet about you. Hasn't Kenny Omega been getting himself in a bit of bother? I've, I've, I've not actually seen it. I've just seen um, various people commenting on how he shouldn't be tweeting. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I can, I can kind of see why he went off because Kenny like like any anybody who gets any mod, any level of success no matter how moderate on Twitter you're going to cop some shit from somebody yeah and he just he put a tweet out about how proud he was of of Reho and, and other and I can't remember who who else and all the rest of it. it was actually a nice tweet that he put out and you get the usual knobheads and trolls talking shit yeah. And and all the rest of it, and Kenny decided he wasn't going to have any of it, so started firing back. But the problem is, it, when people start going after you like that and 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 trying to troll you, you're in a lose lose situation. Yeah. Because if you respond, then that fuels the fire. If you don't respond, they claim you, they won anyway because you haven't defended yourself. Yeah. But all that springs to my mind is better to keep your mouth shut and be, be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. He made, he was getting very on his high horse as, and pissed off as you would about uh, accusations of, of being paedophile. Yeah. Which is going to rile anybody up. I, I fully understand oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then went ahead and did the exact same to a fact to somebody who, who tweeted him. Yeah. He, he literally said to the guy, well, you're holding a child in your profile pic that you might have kidnapped. And, and all I can think, imagine the outcry if Roman Reigns had tweeted that to a fan. He'd have been hauled in front of HR and yeah, giving absolute fucking, you know, giving the absolute dogs dogs abuse, you know. It's, it, it's a bit different to other situations recently because you can fully see where it's come from and what's led to this and it, it being a more straw that broke the camel's back situation. And no, nobody, nobody should get that kind of trolling, etc. But at the same time, there is always the option 
to ignore it. Yeah, I've, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Roman Reigns there. I've always thought, even, you know, I, mean, I think he's done very well with this whole, you know, bloodline head of the table, heel turn work that he's been doing of late. But even when I wasn't his biggest fan, I always thought that the way that he presented himself in public, um, mm. sort of outside of the storyline, you know, he always, and, and Cena very much the same way, you know, they feel like some people who've been on kind of the management training course. They feel like people who know yeah. how to react to certain situations, know when to hold the tongue, you know, know how to give a, you know, the, the sort of political answer rather than um, sort of a hot-headed response. And I, I do wonder, you know, you sort of think about some of these people of the past, you know, the, um, well, we've, we've spoken before about people like Meng or Les Kelly or Harley Race or whatever that were famous for, you know, beating up fans that said something or whatever. Um, mm. I wonder what on earth they would have been like on Twitter. Well, for one, I don't think they'd have indulged it. Well, I mean, social, I don't mean indulge the comments, I mean indulge social media. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's very easy to say that because they're of that generation. But then I also think that the they'd look at something that some no that some knobhead, some nobody's typed online and just think, well, great, what have you achieved by typing that? Don't mean fuck all to me. Yeah, I, I think. But then, but, then, not... but then, but then, if they see him in public, yeah, yeah, spin the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, if if you reply, if you are famous and you reply to someone on Twitter, you're giving them the oxygen of publicity. That too, you know, which leads, where, which has which has a spiraling effect. Of, so you've replied to someone, which means other people are going to go fishing for a reply. Yeah, and then you get the knobheads who, who keep banging on saying, "Oh, I got blocked away," as if that's some great victory. Yeah. So it's it's. I'll probably go into it more with you off air because it, it was something I just wanted to sort of mention in passing, really. Yeah. Um, but it was it was stupid of Kenny to reply and engage with it, but I can fully see why he did it because we're only human at the end of the day, and if something's going to get you get you yeah. back up constantly, then everybody has a breaking point. But, but yeah, the tr- trouble is that his, his breaking point's a public breaking point. Is yeah. But, the then it, but then it, it's it can almost be described now as a top-down problem in AEW. Yeah, because you've got Tony Khan losing his shit frequently on Twitter, yeah. over and, and making and making various comments that that are. I'm being diplomatic when I say this to avoid any potential problem, but you know, saying comments that are distasteful and. And quite provably in direct opposition to things he's previously said as regards his opinion on certain wrestlers, and then and things like that. So, and that with Tony Khan, it's even worse because he didn't have to put what he put out onto Twitter. While he sat there tweeting on the toilet like Donald Trump, he probably earned more money than the wrestler he's tweeting about made in a year. (laughs) You know. Mm. Yeah, not that's maybe a bit of an over exaggeration, but I, surely, I don't know. Surely, I don't... surely he's got, surely he's got bigger things to think about and better things to do than than tear somebody down on Twitter. I, I don't know if Tony Khan makes money. To be perfectly honest, uh, Shahid Khan makes money. Um, well, t- Tony yeah, Khan well, and all his ventures seem to be loss making enterprises that are 
Um, you, know, you, know, you know what it, I mean, though. Well, it, well the, I mean, it's another thing that I do wonder about Tony Khan. You know, given that Shahid Khan's made all this money in, in his career, it surprises me that he's so okay that his son's going to effectively have these very expensive hobbies. Mm. You know, you, you would think that he'd you know be wanting to build on it but you know i mean well you know about being happy it's funny how we got here from a disco inferno versus stevie ray match though isn't it yeah it's weird that one i didn't expect that to happen yeah um it's because i wanted to avoid talking about jeff jarrett because he's in the next uh next thumbnail all uh, um, right there you go because um they've got the uh, championship match uh, jarrett versus uh, scott hall coming up got uh, a sid vicious promo so that'd be uh, that'd be worth seeing Bam Bam Bigelow versus Brian Nobbs, uh, continuing Brian Nobbs' solo career. Prime, uh, prime 1993 fodder there. Yeah, Billy Kidman versus the Kiss Demon, so Gene Simmons is getting another payout. <laughs> Marvellous stuff. And uh, the total package is going to confront Jimmy Hart. Great. Well, when we got to the end of WCW, Jimmy Hart was calling out local radio hosts, so do we think that Lex Luger was a local radio host that was taking him up on his challenge? I think uh, Jimmy Hart took up the total packages challenge and then decided that uh, local radio hosts would be better wrestlers. Quite possibly. Or maybe um, Lex Luger just backed off from him and then um, Miss Elizabeth maced Jimmy Hart. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) And then we get the championship match, um, Sid Vicious versus Scott Hall. I bet that's pretty good, actually, even if it is only five minutes 46. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, we know that Scott Hall doesn't ever win the WCW title, so that didn't happen. Oh. But, uh, no, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. That's yeah, all right. I'll, I'll let you off this time. So, as we say, this match that Tank Abbott's going to have today is against the Barbarian. But before the Barbarian's chosen for that role, Ed Ferrara, Kevin Sullivan, and Terry Taylor are going to log into LinkedIn. And, well, Terry Taylor's not going to log into LinkedIn. Terry Taylor's going to take the credit for the other two logging into LinkedIn. He's going to pull the string really tight on his yogurt pot phone to where uh, shoe sniffer <laughs> Dave. Um, so... Shoe sniffer Dave. Well, alleged shoe sniffer Dave. That's uh, what uh, he, he was called on a change in attitude. So uh, I'm going with that. This is just reported speech, as far as we're saying it. Yeah, I mean that. I, I, we've been told that's the case. You know, we, uh, we I have no reason to believe it's untrue. It's now in Dave Meltzer's court to prove it wrong. Yeah. So the Barbarian was born in Tonga, and uh, it was uh, one of um, six teenagers and young men sent uh, by the King of Tonga to Japan to study sumo wrestling. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. That's uh, that's a bit of a random fact. Yeah, and he, he definitely didn't get the uh, didn't get the belly for it. No, well, no, maybe he'd have to, uh, you know, he, he could have uh, come around and spent some time with us and uh, got on the fat fast plan. <laughs> Get on the what, sorry? The fat fast plan. <laughs> I thought you said the fat bastard bus. <laughs> <laughs> Just the concept that, that we're now pariahs in society and have been given a special bus. That's just the only way I can get around. Yeah, yeah. He uh, migrates to the United States and he trains in professional wrestling under the tutelage of Roman Red Bastine. Uh, Red Bastine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know why, but I've heard of him. 
No, well, he's a non-linker on Wikipedia, so Lord only knows I couldn't find anything about him. In uh, 1980, he made his debut in wrestling mm-hmm. and wrestled as King Tonga. Fair so, enough. King King Conga. All right, King Conga. Did he King did he do the did he do the dance or? He should have had like a No Way Jose type uh, entrance. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. That that'd have been awesome. And given a lot of um, up and coming wrestlers the start. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot in there, weren't there? Yeah. In nineteen eighty one he starts wrestling for various um promotions within the NWA, including uh, Jim Crockett promotions. Nineteen eighty four is uh, in Jim Crockett promotions, is part of the Paul Jones army. But it's um, in nineteen eighty seven when he forms a tag team with the Warlord to become the Powers of Pain, which is probably yeah, one of the things he's most famous for. And amazingly, the Powers of Pain tagged together on a GCW show in 2021. That's incredible, isn't it? And it was glorious. Their performance wasn't, but it was just great to see him. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing about wrestling, you know. It's like, in terms of football, you can't just bring someone back from the 1990s and play them in your team and it's going to be fine. That's just no. not going to work. <laughs> with wrestling, you've, you've got that ability to do that, and that's one of the magical things about wrestling. But the amazing thing about the Powers of Pain in 2021 was, obviously, they've lost a lot of size, because as you get older, that naturally happens, you know, you, and, and they're not working out as hard anymore. and Taking the Ica Pro. Yeah, they're not, not taking the Ica Pro, amongst other things. So they'd obviously lost a lot of size, and particularly the Warlord, who I believe is a little older than Barbarian. But they were still far and away the biggest men in the match. Yeah. The sort of average size of wrestlers is significantly different in the 2020s to the 1980s. Rob, me and you could be the British natural disasters. Famine and drought. <laughs> fam- famine and drought, because we'll eat and drink everything in sight. <laughs> <laughs> Tension as that offer is, the powers of pain moved to the World Wrestling Federation in 1988 and uh, have, a, have a run as a tag team there. Um, in 1990, the Barbarian sort of transitions into a bit of a solo run in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, I think I remember uh, bits and pieces of that. Yeah, 1992, he moves over to WCW uh, again, a uh, solo run. 1994, he's back in the World Wrestling Federation. A little bit of a solo run. And then he ends up replacing Samu in the Head Shrinkers. And he's the new oh, yeah. Shrinkers with uh, Fatu. And Fatu's uh, Rikishi, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. So, yeah, so um, they were the new Head Shrinkers. So a little bit of a time as a, um, a tag team there. And I think he's called, is it Sion or something in um, the new Head Shrinkers? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. He returns to WCW in 1995, so he's all over the place. And by 1996, he uh, has the unfortunate fate of being drafted into the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> he ends up tagging, though, with Haku in the Faces of Fear. Great tag team. Love that. Like When I, went th- when I was going through my, um, my sort of Nitro binging phase a few years back, I absolutely love the Faces of Fear. Yeah, it's a tag team that uh, looked good, certainly. Uh, you know, they, they had the it factor. 1999 uh, ends up breaking up with uh, Haku when they end up feuding. And, you know, he's sort of bobbing around the singles ranks at this time. In terms of the last full year of 
pay in 1999, he earns $196,179. I can't find a contract for him, which is a little bit weird because they had to make everything public. So they said how much he earned, but not what his contract was. So either that's just missing Mm. or he was kind of, you know, working on sort of a, a per match or whatever deal at the time. But it means that at this point in time, you could have got 3.3 Barbarians for a Tank Abbott. And I'll take the Tank Abbott every time. Take the Tank Abbott <laughs> every single time. Yeah. It, it, funny thing about the Barbarian, though, you sort of think about, you know, the, that time he had in the faces of fear, and you think about him, you know, the Warlord and the Barbarian, and you sort of think he, he must have had, like, Tag Team Championship reigns. Didn't have any. No, not in, not in WCW or uh, WWF. You know, and you, you think there's a lot of tag teams that probably aren't as impressive as them, that uh, they've mm. had, you know, one or multiple reigns sort of within those that time. I do wonder, though, if because of the sheer size of Barbarian and Warlord and the sheer size of, and just toughness of Barbarian and, and men, did they really need the tag team titles? They, they maybe didn't, but you can't help but think would it, it would have been great to strap them, have yeah. a long run, and then whichever team beats them, sort of made men instantly. Yeah, it just seems a bit weird. You'd think certainly if it, it was today, they would have had a tag team run. But... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they'd have been three or, three or four-time champions. Yeah. So uh, a, a what-if of wrestling there. Badlands uh, get on it. Yeah. So we're going to do something a little bit different for this episode of Unbooking the Tankatory. We're actually going to do a watch-along rather than sort of, uh, you know, just give our notes on it. So, uh, as we said before, this is from 77 2000 episode of Monday Nitro. Yeah. Uh, so, if you get to that point... Yeah, I'm starting at 32 minutes, 52 seconds. So, we'll give a counting. So, three, two, one, go. So, we've got um, Barbarian in the ring. In a, I thought it was Sting for a second in that leather jacket. He does look very like Sting with his long hair and dark leather jacket. Yeah, he's all business as well in that. Uh, in that, the, well, it, I was going to call it a vest, but it's more. It's just. A, it looks like a t-shirt. He's just cut the sleeves off. He's. He's almost like a giant raven. A black t-shirt in wrestling. That's unusual. Tank gets uh-huh. quite a big pop when he comes out. Yeah, I've, I've had to have it on mute because uh, the sound will interfere with uh, with the recording. He looks to have a bruise on his left peck as well. He's definitely got some bruising around there by the looks of it as Tank. Yeah, and he, he, looks as, he looks as happy. Did you see the kids in the background and how scared they look? Well, you would be scared of Tank, Abbott. You know, they portrayed him as a legitimate killer. Oh, and Ooh. Barbarian's hitting him as he's getting into the ring, even before the bell. Yeah. First time we've seen someone go like that. And he's actually yeah. he's actually got Tank on the back. He's got Tank down to a knee. There's the sign of the see- crowd saying, probably lied. Yeah. Let's get out of a fight with Tank Abbott. Um, Tank's got his head down and he's just ramming it into his chest and uh, backing him into the corner. Yeah, he's actually always going with the chest clubs and the back elbows that we're not used to seeing. Uh, yeah. Shove off from Barbarian. So Barbarian's obviously got some power. Oh, Tank's gone in, double leg pick up and slam. That's his, his new move that he's, uh, that he's been yeah. working on. Matt Madden's just said Tank Abbott enjoys this. He enjoys the fight. I think he does. Yeah. Why did the referee just... Oh, one punch is down. Yeah, Barbarian's the, down. The, ref, the referee, for some reason, just, like, crawled between them. But, yeah, that didn't was a he, big... Didn't even count him. It just picks up his arm, it drops straight away, and... Yeah, he's out. Yeah. 
in a tank. So, Abbott, he hasn't well, even seen to go off. It was a really nice shot from Abbott as well because he, he kind of ducked down and he, it was a big right hand over the top that just clocked uh, Barbarian straight on the jaw. Have you seen Barbarian the twitching? Yes. A nice little uh, effect. Oh, big Al's Oops. there. Yeah, he's there. I wonder what this is building to. Oh, tanks blanked him. It's just completely blanked him walking past. Commentary are saying he's a member of Team Tank, but yeah, yeah. didn't want to talk to him. He's off and away. And, and there's the Kiss Demon sarcophagus. And uh, that's the end of the segment. But another great thing for another great showing for Tank, just they really knew how to make him a killer. Oh, they yeah. Really I mean, he's now 7 3 and 0. So his 10th match in WCW is um, undefeated, like an absolute killer. I mean, the Barbarian had a little bit at the start, but that's only because he attacked him before the bell. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I just rewound it to watch the knockout again. The referee does just... I think he's trying to get away away from the flailing fist, maybe. But he does just crawl between them, which distracts Barbarian, which gives Tank the opening to just absolutely clock him. And there's a sign in the crowd. Sorry, I just noticed a sign in the crowd that's from an obvious darts fan that says Crown Bristow. So we know who they're rooting for in the next uh, the next darts world championship. Although I'm pretty sure Bristow retired by 2000. As long as they didn't want to get him on live TV. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's one of the you know the, the sort of realistic, convincing things about the Tank Abbott matches. As soon as that chin's exposed, it's like bam straight in for the punch. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fighter's knockout instinct. Um, yeah. it, I, I go back to boxing, and, and I'm assuming it's true in MMA as well. You have fight, certain fighters who are natural finishers, who have that killer instinct, who know when to press the, press on the gas and, and just know when to find that shot. And I've got to give him credit, having the, the subtlety of Barbarian being distracted by the referee and getting the opening is brilliant, because from this... Don't know exactly where next where we go next. I've not I've deliberately not memorized you know memorized yeah. where uh, the career path. But that opens up to Barbarian demanding a rematch, which can go a little bit longer and all the rest of it and help develop tank. Because Barbarian's a big motherfucker. A big tough motherfucker. Um who doesn't necessarily lose anything by losing to tank. Yeah, so the next match we've actually already covered with Sarah on the um, 14th of February 2000 episode of Nitro. Um, oh, Tank yeah. versus Rick Fuller. Obviously, we'll have to have a look around and see if he had any involvement on the funders or whatever mm. around that uh, for if we do that as a full episode or if we um, combine uh, that in with the Van Hammer match on the 15th of February on Thunder. Oh, God, Van Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Van Hammer, my favorite. No, in fact, I'll save the Van Hammer story for uh, for when we do the episode. I do have a favorite Van Hammer story. Excellent. So that's where we're going next. But in terms of the here and now, we've recorded this episode very soon after we recorded the last episode. So haven't had much time for people to send in hashtag tank facts. But we did get one from a perennial hashtag tank facts uh, fan, um, Danny at Scottish Juggalo. So he's going to win this week because uh, he's the only one. <laughs> um, but uh, his one was, what do EC3, MVP, JBL, DDP, Triple H, RVD, HBK, MJF, JYD, and Linda McMahon all have in common? Do tell. 
Despite their long tenured careers, they have never defeated Tank Abbott. And that is a certifiable, verifiable, undeniable tank fact. It is quality tank fact. Uh, that one, so well done that for that one, Danny. Uh, because we haven't had many this week, although as I say, we've just recorded uh, straight after we recorded uh, the, la- the last episode. So, um, <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to do as a special treat, I am going to now put in Chris Bellis singing "Return of the Quack." <laughs> yes. Well, I try to tell you so, but once I started, I won't go. But I got Rob and Dan to thank, and I got them into tank. It's UTT, those two guys, they took a chance on me. It's UTT, yes they did, yes they did. It's UTT, if you listen to it next Monday on UTT, then you'll hear, then you'll hear, 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 Retank of the Quack. Yeah it is, Retank of the Quack, come on, Retank of the Quack. You know that I'd be back. Retank of the quack. So kid Max, retank of the quack. You live in Paddy and retank of the quack. You know that I'd be back. I'm only joking, Max. You know I love you. Andy Payton's overrated. I still can't believe Chris did that. What an absolute gent he is. And in fact, speaking of both Danny and Chris... Keep your ears to the ground. It might already be out. It might not. Uh, but keep your eye out for the uh, the one man's meat pod, uh, where where it's Danny and Chris's first venture into podcasting, uh, sort of full time for both of them. They're a couple of great guys, and I'm sure they're going to work well together. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. We've had a lot of fun with uh, both of them when they've been on the shows previously. So I'm sure this is going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. I've got every faith in them. Superb. So where can people find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, You can also find me on uh, the 90s Wrestling Podcast monthly pay-per-view reviews playlist on uh, Primetime Conversations uh, podcast and YouTube. uh, That's on Twitter at Primetime Convos, uh, on YouTube at Primetime Conversations. So, So drop a uh, drop a follow, like, subscribe, all the good stuff to James over there. He's absolutely killing it. Uh, and uh, every faith he'll continue to kill it following the uh, the changing direction for his show. And you can find me on the Doctor Who podcast with uh, Sire Powell of uh, Chain Wrestling, uh, an SJP uh, podcast, um, and the Waiting Room fame. Uh, that's our upcoming or coming out i we don't have a full schedule we don't have a schedule for release yet uh but if it's out go listen to it if it's not it'll be out soon uh that's on twitter at the doctor who pod t-h-e-d-r-w-h-o-p-o-d fantastic very much looking forward to that one hoping it'll be out soon you can find me at utt rob it's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers so absolutely more than happy to follow back in terms of the show, you can find where you've heard this episode of Unbooking the Tank Territory. You can hear the uh, Unbooking the Territory podcast as well. So it's uh, stay stay tuned for uh, for more of us talking bollocks, really. Yeah, although I think uh, I think a certain Mister Marty might have that uh, that covered as a uh, podcast title. <laughs> I think I think he does. I think he does. So as I say, next time it's Tank Abbott versus Rick Fuller. So uh, onwards and upwards. Bring it on, although I've already seen it, so bring it on again.
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to get used to these, um, you know, past futures or whatever with your uh, tenses when you're watching the Doctor Who's. Oh, it's all wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah, it'd be fine. Just cause cause a rip in the space time continuum the size of Belgium. Yeah. Although I'm pretty sure I could do that with a fart. Yeah. Pretty unimpressive when you think about it. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Here comes Tank Abbott. And you talking about a man who will just run through a wall, a man who will bludgeon anything in his path. This is truly one of the scariest men that we've ever seen. But he's going to face a man who who is... Who fears no one, the barbarian, and the barbarian immediately.